0: Do you know what we haven't had on the Garrett cast in too long? A snooty movie review. So that's why we're going to do one right now. Fuck it, we're doing it live. You know what? I almost censored that last clip, but I'm not going to because that's not the point of podcasting every day. The point is to not censor myself. So we're doing it live. All right. So the film I watched was Kong on Skull Island, and uh, that may seem sort of random, but the, the actually well, it's not that random. friend of mine who's a big fan of like Pacific Rim and monster movies and Transformers, the original cartoons, not the Michael Bay movies, that's a whole other story, uh, big fan of all that kind of stuff. Loves the new Godzilla mythos where Godzilla's king of the monsters and he fights other monsters. And I have to admit, as a Godzilla fan myself, I'm quite, I'm fairly enamored of these new, of this new take on the characters. So Kong on Skull Island is really part of an extended universe, this monster, king of the monsters kind of universe, in which Godzilla and Mothra and you know, all of his other monsters he fights, King Ghidra, they're all part of this same world, and the Kong Skull Island film brings him into this world. They call these these sort of giant ancient species gaiju. What are they? Kaiju, right? So the idea is that Kong is one of these, and he lives on this island, Skull Island. I think that's a pretty smart way to do it, actually. I, I think there's a big push to put... Everything in an extended universe now because Marvel Studios just They just broke the mold with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, that's just so incredible now everyone wants in on it And of course I find it hilarious that Universal, you know poor Universal, they don't have any superheroes So what did they do? They tried to create like a bunch of uh, monster movies they tried to create the MonsterVerse, which is all their old properties, like, I guess, Frankenstein and the Wolfman and whatever. They wanted to, like, turn that into their own, like, Marvel MCU kind of thing. And so they had that shitty, awful Tom Cruise mummy movie. And nobody saw because it was terrible. And, uh, and it totally failed. And it was like, stop trying to create Extended universes, when you don't know what you're doing and you don't even have material. Look, there's a reason why the Marvel Cinematic Universe is so great because it was all Marvel was already an extended universe. I feel like this is the thing people miss about why that was so successful. If you were a fan of comic books, comic books like I was, you would pick up Spider Man and the Fantastic Four and you know, the Avengers, if that was your thing, right? Daredevil, my my favorite was Spider-Man. I just love Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is the darling of the Marvel Universe. He is, frankly, he is the best of all superheroes. But he would always run into the other characters. You know, in one issue, he'd work with Daredevil. In another issue, here comes uh, Ghost Rider on his motorcycle with his flaming skull head. And now Spider-Man's working with... Him and then once in a while he'd fight. You know, Iron Man would lend him a weapon he needed. So the point is, those characters already lived in their in an extended universe for like all the decades of those comics, and X Men would run into Spider Man and help him with his own sort of mutant issues, so to speak. Uh, you know, so Marvel Studios quite you know they correctly identified that if you could extend this to the films, that would just dazzle fans and be amazing. And by the way, it was a dream come true for us fans of those comic books, because we always wanted to see that happen. And, you know, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which really began with Iron Man in 2008, before that, Every superhero movie that came out was a standalone film that sort of ignored all the extended mythology of the comics always. And you know, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films, which are really great films, they did not care about anything else in the Marvel universe. They only cared about telling the story of Peter Parker and his related, you know, villains and friends and so forth. You know, and The only thing that's sort of disappointing about that as a fan of the comics is you kind of, what would happen if Spider-Man ran into Iron Man? Like, that would be interesting to see. So, and it also resulted in every superhero movie was sort of very different than every other superhero movie. Even if they were superheroes that, you know, would have existed in the same universe. Anyway, that's sort of a digression. The Godzilla movies are actually doing a pretty good job of creating this extended universe of monsters and i have to hand it to them i feel like they're doing it the right way they sort of know what these movies are they don't try to they don't try to take themselves too seriously but neither are they completely tongue-in-cheek either and they make a pretty a pretty game effort at well-written well-acted, well-put-together films that are pretty fun to watch. I think one of the worst elements of watching the original Godzilla films was always the human characters. They were always kind of a distraction. Like, all you wanted to see was Godzilla beating up on Mothra, and instead you would just have, you know hours of dialogue of these of these scientists all grouped together sort of watching the fight and commenting on it and it was almost like a peanut gallery of scientists commenting on Godzilla fighting Mothra and then they would trot out their their dumb little tank that we knew wasn't going to work and it would fire its missile and it would have zero effect and it would only piss Godzilla off and then he'd crush it and it was like and it was clear that the humans only were there to give Godzilla a reason to just crush things and and also to allow the humans to philosophize about the arrogance and failures and flaws of humanity. And oh, woe betide our terrible usage of this planet. Oh, this is our comeuppance. That's basically, so these, these new films make an effort to upgrade that, but they, I think they succeed well at that, but not a hundred percent. I think that the films really do still suffer a little bit from that problem of, there are times in the Godzilla film that the characters seem, the human characters seem a bit ancillary. So Kong takes place in the seventies, just literally at the end of the Vietnam war, like right when it's sort of declared over, that's when this movie picks up, which is the first brilliant thing about Kong. They do it. They they drop this story right in the strife of the Vietnam era, and they they even have a great soundtrack of 70s era songs. And so it's a period piece taking place in the 70s. And I think it's just a really cool way of doing it, especially since the first Godzilla film hinted that the uh, nuclear tests in the Pacific in the 50s were not just tests of nuclear bombs, but were in fact an attempt to kill Godzilla, which is pretty cool. So putting Kong in the seventies kind of bridges the gap of that mythology because the, there are references in the movie to those tests and the founding of Monarch, which is this secret zoological—I love it—a secret zoological organization with a mandate to save the world from monsters. So zoologists have never had it so good. They've never been so heroic. They're like savers. <laughs> I'm laughing because I read it on like Wikipedia. I like I was like reading like a Wikipedia entry on the movie or something? And it talks about how the the secret zoological organization Monarch, and I'm like, what? that's not a that's not how you describe that. Anyway, it's a secret spy organization of zoologists who study these giant monsters. And have to like, they have a mandate to like protect humanity. It's like, imagine a CIA, like, like Mission Impossible, right? They're sort of like a, a more secret group than even the CIA is secret. Like they're like a, they're so secret. Nobody knows the impossible mission force exists. Not even like most people in the CIA or something like that. (laughs) All right. And so they've taken almost that concept of there's this super secret organization covering things up and hiding things, but there's zoologists. I just think that's funny, but the actual situation of the films oddly justifies that you would need zoologists, I guess, to study giant, massive monsters that we have no idea where they come from or what they're, how to stop them. So right off the bat, uh, it's a great setup for the film. It's got so many freaking great actors. I just the, the the worst part about the movie is it's just it's overstuffed. I mean, you've got John Goodman, Corey Hawkins, uh Samuel L Jackson, uh Bree Larson, Flathead as my friends like to call her. Uh, that's I won't speak for them, but uh her performance is shall we say typically wooden. Uh who else? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, uh, Tom Hiddleston. Of course, Tom Hiddleston, who steals the show. And uh, John C. Riley, who then steals the show from Tom Hiddleston when he arrives. So, John C. Riley might actually be worth the ticket price in this movie because he's so good. Uh, so, overall. The film does not have, I mean, it's got a kind of middling rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I haven't actually read a lot of the reviews, and I didn't before. I kind of wanted to watch it because my friend is super into it, and it's never been a movie I was all that interested in. I saw Peter Jackson's Kong, and I really liked it, but uh, I I saw the trailer for the new King Kong vs. Godzilla movie that's coming out, part of this extended universe, and it does look pretty good, I have to say. So I wanted to see, you know, oh, all right, I got to see Kong's backstory. So, and I felt like a movie. You ever just last night? I just felt like I was. I did a, put in a lot of work yesterday. Went to the gym, got a bunch of work. I got like a strength and a cardio workout in with my workout buddy, and and that was after kind of wanting to talk myself out of going, making an excuse, but I showed up. You know, half a life is showing up. Uh, So I felt really good. And I was like, I just want something really relaxing. And a movie, cheesy movie, seemed like a great idea. So Kong. Anyway, that's like, there's even more kind of like pretty pretty uh, famous like sort of B-lister actors in the movie also. So, I mean, it's an enormous number of characters. I would say there's probably like... 15 characters with a significant amount of speaking roles in the film. And then there's at least as many supporting characters in this movie because there's it's this huge expedition you know, uh, escorted by the military to Skull Island. The setup is basically that this scientist played by John Goodman and his associate, Uh, Corey, played by Corey Hawkins, have this theory that there's this island that satellites have just discovered called Skull Island, and it's surrounded by a storm that never stops. And all these ships have disappeared there over the years. We didn't even know this land was there. We just knew this storm that never ends in the Pacific or whatever uh, is like a kind of Bermuda Triangle. But Right off the bat, like the first scenes of the movie where John Goodman is sort of this scientist trying to convince them to go to this this, a senator to fund this mission to go to this island. It's like his performance is really pretty weird at first. Like John Goodman is an amazingly good actor. If you've ever seen 10 Cloverfield Lane, he's frightening in that movie. I mean, and it's all the force of his performance. And. I don't know if it's the writing or what, but his first like 10 20 minutes in the movie, he's kind of perky and his lines all seem very uh, silly and uh he does, he comes across as if like he joined this movie to like cash a paycheck and he's his heart's not in it. Like you just get that feeling. Uh but as the film goes on and hit more about his character is revealed, his character actually has a pretty good backstory. Uh, as more about his character is revealed, his performance kind of grew on me. And I, st- but I, st- I still don't exactly get what was going on with that first 10 minutes. It's weird. Just watch it. Overall, pretty good film. I would say, uh, I think it, it definitely is about, three and a half out of five stars for me now maybe i could bump that up to four just pure nerdism i just really like i just really like the setup of this extended universe what worked well in the film definitely the actors for the most part were really good samuel L. jackson is awesome in this movie like he is so perfect and i have to say his character the you know from beginning to end his character is br- a brilliant take on a sort of I don't even want to say what his purpose in the movie is because it'll give it away he's but I I just I love the setup of his character I love his you know he I can't give you this much he is basically the colonel who is assigned to lead the military effort to escort these scientists these zoologists to Skull Island to to find out what's there. And uh he's literally a colonel who on um, who is look he's basically in Vietnam on the last day of the war. Oh, that's a dynamite setup right there because basically he's staring at a box of dog tags of all the guys he's lost that are dead that have been killed in the war. And he's immediately a very heroic figure actually. He comes he's immediately very sympathetic. And uh, you really feel for him because he's staring at this box of dog tags and medals. And he's like, what was it all for? And it's like that. I mean, he's basically a colonel who is due to go home after having, you know, in defeat as part of a defeated army. And I, I just think that it's great. And Everything about his character from that point on is fantastic. And his performance is, I mean, it's Sam Jackson. I mean, it's like he, I don't even think he has to put in much effort at this point. He's so good at it. So I'm not going to say any more about his character because I just, I kind of love how he progresses in the movie in surprising ways that I didn't really see coming. So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, what else? Oh, a word about Brie Larson. Brie Larson is definitely one of the big downsides of the film. Actually, let me put a pin in that, because I want to talk about what's going well with the film first. So Samuel L. Jackson, great. John Goodman, eh, grows on me. Corey Hawkins, great. Although, Corey Hawkins and many other actors in this film suffer from kind of the same problem, which is there's so many characters that it's it's very, like it's just moving really, really fast, and they don't seem to get as much time as they should, but but he's great, and uh, Tom Hiddleston, you know, that British accent, it's just an unfair advantage in life. Nobody should have an advantage that's that unfair, because like every scene, he walks into the set, he's like, are you quite sure that's the right course of action, and you're like, oh, he's amazing. Anyway. So he plays the kind of, he plays a scientist with skills like, uh, you know, like Liam Neeson fast hand skills, which is kind of weird. I don't know where he got those skills, but like he has military experience. They explain it, it's fine. But it's just, it's a great combo though. Dashing intellectual scientist who can beat up five guys in a bar. That's pretty cool. Why didn't I think of that? Uh, And then Kong himself, is absolutely fantastic. And they kind of they they definitely just they just hit you in the face with Kong pretty early in the movie. Just like bam, if you so Peter Jackson's version of King Kong was very much in keeping with the original the vision of the original King Kong film and it's a it's a parable and it's an extended parable and it's super nuanced and serious, and I quite love the Peter Jackson King Kong, by the way. But it's not a movie I wanna like put on all the time. In fact, I don't know that I've ever seen it beyond the one time I saw it in the theaters. And that in and of itself is for me a slight critique of any film. Because if it is really grand and wonderful and you loved watching it and you never wanna watch it again, sometimes there's good reasons for that that aren't any fault of the film. But other times I wonder, maybe it wasn't as good a film as I thought it was. But one thing about the Peter Jackson film is that it takes hours for King Kong to arrive. And it's just, it's, it is a, it's a bit of a slog. And in some ways that's one of the things I like about the film because they're exploring this island and it's full of mystery. And they're, you know, but the problem is it's called King Kong. So we sort of know from like minute one, what we're in for. And it takes a long time for we see Kong. And that's kind of a mm, promise of the premise problem there. So Kong on Skull Island, totally the opposite. They kind of do, I was kind of expecting a long wait for King Kong to show up and then bam, there he is. And he just is like smashing things. He's like Kong smash and he just, and it's glorious. I mean, it's if you really, so there's two, I think audiences, there's the audience that wants the sort of literary, uh, cautionary tale peter jackson king kong that takes its time and tells a a film story and then there's the nerds who are like yeah this is my fire truck and he's fighting a fighter jet and slam them together if you're that if you want to see all your toys coming to life that you played with as a kid this is the movie for you because kong basically just has a giant fight with helicopters like right in the beginning and it's it's literally, it's literally something that like an 11 year old boy would have imagined in his, in his bedroom with all of his, you know, with all of his helicopter toys and his King Kong. And that's probably what I would have done, quite frankly. So, and I know that for some of you, that's not going to be a recommendation of the film. And for others, you're like, oh, awesome. I'm, I'm going to go read it right now. And you're both correct. <laughs> so. I really enjoy, for me, it's a recommendation of the film because they they did this really well, actually. I mean, they brought the character to life in exciting ways. Like, let's just be honest. If there were such a thing as a giant ape the size of, say, the Empire State Building, what would you want to see? Would you want to see him, like, have thoughtful philosophical exchanges of expression with a human character and develop a sort of shared humanity across species? Or would you rather see just helicopter smash out of the sky and he grabs a tree and he walks a big blizzard? That's what she you admit it. You wanna see the last thing. And that's a perfect encapsulation of what's going well with this film. Another thing that's great about it is they work, Kong actually has a story, which is pretty smart. I have to say, you know, that. The Peter Jackson film was kind of missing that. And this 69 Jackson movies, including The Computer. brother. Cancel. It's always creepy when Alexa hears too much. Uh, so Peter Jackson's film didn't give Kong quite as much of a backstory. This film does. This film, actually, there is a story to Kong, and why he's pissed about things, and what he's doing on this island, and why he's king, oh, that's great. I love, I love how they explained why he's King Kong, and there is a, and there is a story-driven reason for why he is the king of this island. It's great. It's fantastic. All of that was really well done. Like, the natives that live on the island, their story is really smart and really well done, and then, All the creatures on the island are basically explained through the same shared mythos of the Godzilla film, which is that in an ancient, ancient time on our planet, there were these giant, crazy-sized creatures that were just fed fed off of radiation from from the primordial era of earth in which earth was a much more radioactive planet and it could sustain these kind of bizarre organisms that no longer, but there's still a few of them around and we're we're, at, we're sort of waking them up with all of our modern technology and our radioactive stuff. Cause we're awful. Cause yeah, we, we use radiation. Ugh, we're so awful. Anyway, it's our fault. And um, so the monsters are waking up and Kong is kind of like, so he's in this world. And so all the creatures you encounter, and there are a few that are blood curdling, let me tell you, and I, I will not do you the, the favor that my friend did not do me, which is warning you about one of the creatures in the movie is truly horrific. I mean, and if you have the phobia I have, I don't know how you're gonna do when you see this creature. I even kind of figured out it was coming and I still wasn't prepared for it because I never thought of it that way. I was like, and I know this is all super vague, but it's because I don't want to warn you. I want you to experience it. I guess what I'm saying is I'm recommending the film. I want you to see... The movie's pretty good. It's not the most deep film ever, and it does have problems, but the monsters are great. Kong has a backstory. Most of the characters in the movie are really good. Samuel L. Jackson is excellent john c Riley is excellent and tom hiddleston is suitably tom hiddleston and uh does does well at what he is there to do so let's talk about what's not working in this film well the first thing is what were they thinking stuffing it with this many care i mean it is stuffed with characters i mean Part of the problem, in the first 20 minutes of the film, it's, a, it's almost a montage level of speed because they have to like, okay, now we're in here. Now we're in Vietnam. Now we're on the ship. Now the ships go to Skull Island. Now we're flying to Skull Island. Now we're on Skull Island. And it's like super fast paced because they have to introduce all these characters and all these characters have to have lines and they all have to have like their short little backstory blurb. And there's even a couple of supporting characters that are like, why are they even here? They don't even need this character here. And it's, there's literally, there's this, there's one character who, she's like, I think she's a Japanese scientist. I'll be honest, I was multitasking while I was watching the movie a little bit. and That's not because the movie was terrible. I just, these days, that's how I am. And I did miss a couple parts, just a line or two here or there. Nothing that important, trust me. Most of the movie is Kong smashing things, but there's just this one character. She's like a Japanese scientist or something, and she has like zero story. Like she's just there to sort of. She's actually a lot like the characters in the original Godzilla film. She's just there to comment on things, and I'm like, why is she here? Lovely, beautiful actor, but uh, don't know, Didn't really have a part. So, so there's a lot of and there's and also there's a lot of Vietnam uh, soldiers in Vietnam veteran soldiers in the movie, and that's a really great high positive of the film, but, but it's like a whole platoon and it's uh and there are some reasons for that, but if you do wind up with, there's so many characters competing and they all have actually, I think one of the the reasons why it's kind of works so well and has so many problems at the same time is because there's way too many characters, which results in way too frenetic a pace of the film to the point where it's even kind of odd at certain points in the movie, the pacing of the, you know, it's like it's jumping around to things that don't seem to connect to each other. But each of the characters do have fairly good stories. And I have to say, I the Vietnam angle is brilliant in this movie because it's so compelling. And they give, all these characters have a real story. It's not like, you know, sometimes these monster movies and superhero movies, they get kind of a bad rap for not being, serious movies, you know, they're not telling a real story, but I'm telling you this one, at least from the Vietnam veteran angle and the era of that time and what was going, I mean, it tells a pretty sober down to earth story. It's like, these are Vietnam soldiers who are, they are, they're on a detour. They were on the way home as a defeated army, but they're on a detour to this island and they all have their own demons from just that and their experiences in the war that is just that is probably a big reason why i even liked the film as much as i did i'd say that's probably like 60 percent of why i enjoyed the film as much as i did because it was a really if if they had sort of just been scientists with a couple smart private security guys like it would not have been a good film i i think having this sort of And I don't think I've ever exactly seen a movie that takes on that kind of specific situation of like, not long after the Vietnam War, dealing with veterans, not during the Vietnam War when they're in the sock and they're, why are we here? But like literally the day the Vietnam War ends and all these guys that have been fighting for all this time, really the survivors who've watched all their buddies die and they've just been told, you know what? We lost, we're packing it in. What what do they do now? Like I don't think I've ever exactly seen that in a film, and maybe I just have missed that one, but that's a really And then you drop them on an island with crazy monsters and what are... and it's it's a weird kind of like they're they're in another war, but it's one that they could never have imagined. That's a pretty hard-hitting story and uh there's a lot that's good there. But there's way too many of them. There's just so many of them that all those wonderful stories are competing with each other and some rise to the surface and some sink to the bottom and it's kind of a mishmash. So that's one of the weakest parts of the film. Now to maybe the absolute weakest part of the film and that is Brie Larson. Wow. I Talk about an actor who... She's being hired for her looks, let's just be honest, because Captain Marvel was already kind of a boring character in comic book lore, and she is about as wooden and stilted an actor as I've ever seen. She is the female version of Hayden Christensen of Star Wars fame. I mean, you can almost see her visibly sweating when she has to bend her face into an expression. I feel, you know, I feel super bad. That's like super mean of me to say, because, you know, she's a person with dreams and goals, just like I am. And uh, it's no offense. It's nothing personal. I'm sure one day I will. I deserve as harsh a critique of my writing someday. But uh, look, she is getting better, though. I have to say in this fit, Look, I'm such a nice guy. Uh, she's... <laughs> She's getting better. Uh, I do think like her performance in this film is better than her performance in Captain Marvel. So, um, you know, but it might not be exactly all her fault because like some of the writing is not great in the movie, like a lot of the lines. And this might be one of the reasons why John Goodman, who's such a great actor, seems so odd in the beginning, is that some of the, the writing in this is very sophomore. I mean, it's very like it's you know, do you think they'll give us funding for the island that we want to explore? It's like I don't know. With the Vietnam War ending, this might be our last chance for funding to fund our dream to prove that our theories are true. And it's like, okay, well, I cl- clearly we're shoehorning di- we're backstory into the dialogue here as fast as possible. So there's that. Uh, so maybe some of that is what uh, she was suffering from. But I'm just I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just not a fan and. I guess if I'm being a bit harsh, it's not personal towards her. Because I, I will say, I think there's a lot of just viciousness in our online society and there's a lot of throwing stones. And uh, so let me just say, my critique is of her performance and her ability as an actor. And, uh, but I will say this, there is a kind of entitlement attitude that has sort of been developing. And it's, it's a weird thing. It's like, let me just put it this way. All women seem to have now been typecast into a single role, which is a strong, independent woman who doesn't need help from anyone. And it's like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Being a character, I'm saying, if it's almost like she sort of has to be there. It's almost like you can't exactly criticize, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure. As a white male, my opinion doesn't matter on any of this. So yeah, fair enough. But that's exactly my point. Is like, in our bizarre culture that has developed, in which there is a proper way to think and say, and anything that goes against that is sort of, uh, you know, it's the identity politics culture of like, uh, well, we need to have more strong, independent women in film. And whether or not that's, I mean, it is true. I I agree on some level with that thesis. But I don't think the way to do that is to shoehorn those things into every movie. So anyway, my point is, there's a kind of immunity from criticism that is starting to happen now, which is like, I'll give you my perfect example of this so that I can stop putting my foot in my mouth here. the film Ghostbusters, the remake with all with the all-woman cast, okay? Straight away, that was that was an invitation. That was like a direct no no, not the fact that it was all women. The marketing of the film was almost directly aimed at sort of inciting, daring people to like complain that it's a, a female cast because they're a bunch of misogynists and they just don't oh you just don't want to see you don't believe women can be funny, and you know, it's like, and that was kind of the response that the film company and the marketing of the film company had to people who criticized the movie as not being good and they didn't like it and they didn't want to see it. Well, you're a bunch of young males who just don't like women. And it's, it's a bunch of crap. Cause it's like, um, the film wasn't that good. So that's, that's really the problem. Um, And I don't think it was the best approach to creating the film. So while there may be some assholes out there who just, you know, really are objecting to it because there's an all-female cast and maybe there are, there's probably some, but you know, I think that's really the exception, not the rule. I think most people, if it's a good movie, people will see it. If it's a funny movie, people will love it. They'll laugh. You know, comedy right off the bat is already subjective, but. The original Ghostbusters films came from a very odd. Ah, I dropped my salt shaker. That's probably a sign. The original Ghostbusters films came from a very odd idea that Dan Aykroyd specifically had. Dan Aykroyd had this weird childhood where he grew up with a bunch of family that were into the occult. And and no one else could have. I have a saying. Because I, I meet a lot of writers who are afraid of people stealing their ideas. And I always say, only you can tell your story. And that is doubly true with Dan Aykroyd. Only he can tell that story because it's so weird. He's like, oh, a team of paranormal investigators investigated the occult. And they go into business as ghost exterminators. Like, no, like, that's bizarre. Right? So So the fact that it was such a good movie had a lot to do with the vision that the characters had, the vision the actors and the writers of that film had. So when they try to do this sort of remake, you know, it beca- it's like a cover. It's like a band doing a cover of the original band. It's never going to be as good. It just isn't. So when people start criticizing Ghostbusters, instead of the the film company looking at, well, you know, or or the director or the producer or whatever, wondering about why people are saying that, like, oh, maybe we just, you know, the, a remake wasn't the right approach. Maybe we should have just continued the story with a successor, like maybe they were um, trained by the original Ghostbusters or something, I don't know. There's The point is, instead of considering it as criticism, they consider it as illegitimate hate speech that, you know, there's just a bunch of angry young males out there who just don't like seeing women in movies, <laughs> right? this is my point. And what this does is it creates a kind of defense mechanism for any form of art. It basically says if my form of art fits into this little box, I can't have it criticized. That's kind of, so I just feel that that's, maybe I'm reading too much into things, but I, I, there are some things that Brie Larson has said in the media specifically that I'm, that make, that make me think. She's sort of one of these people that, feels a little bit immune to criticism because of her status as a female. And uh, that's fine, but it has nothing to do with whether she's a good actor or not. And that's just a reality. So I feel like people who are maybe not great actors are sometimes being put in roles where they don't, but I mean, come on, it's not like anyone thought this movie was gonna make an Oscar. Hayden Christensen was Anakin. And he was pretty much hired for his looks. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. You can almost see him sweating when he's trying to bend his face into an expression. He did actually get better though. Like by the, I'd say like you know by Revenge of the Sith, you know he'd kind of worked out some of the the bugs. But still, eh. And then he was in that movie, uh, Jumper. And yeah, I take it back. No, he's he's a, not a good actor. He's like a human piece of wood. He just like you. you He's like a cutout. You just put him in the scene and he stands in for whatever character. So so yeah, those are kind of the negatives of Kong. Uh, Too many characters. One really not good performance at all. Uh, And uh, if it is a bit of a, you know, kid playing with your toys kind of movie. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of smash and explosion and crazy stuff, but with a fair amount of hard-hitting character-driven story, both for Kong and for the characters on the island. So, bit of a mixed bag. I think I'm kind of saying if you're kind of a nerd and you like these things, you're gonna you're gonna love this movie and it's a worthy entry into the Godzilla monster-verse. If you're looking for something a little more literary, much more in the vein of, Peter Jackson's take on King Kong, I'd say go watch that movie instead.